Christ. We might find mercy and grace to help us in our time of need. And we certainly need you, Lord. We're not always aware of our need because you so quickly come to our rescue. But we know we need you. And we thank you that you're undertaking for us, helping us, guiding us, leading us, loving us. We thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen and praise God. So yesterday we were talking about mature love and I thought we would continue. Uh, We didn't get very far um, as far as my notes are concerned. Of course, we never do. Uh, You never exhaust a subject in God. You know, you can always come back and and do more but yesterday I think we were talking about the orphan spirit that we all uh, are born with uh, because the Bible says we're born in sin and shaped in iniquity and iniquity is described in the Bible as a mystery um, nobody understands it so don't puzzle your little brain okay we <laughs> you know just consider it a mystery but that does not mean that God can't give us some insights and he unravels mysteries for us we don't understand things completely but we do understand some things about iniquity uh, iniquity uh, was found the Bible says in Satan now he was not created by God with iniquity in him so somehow this this property was found in him and people who are much smarter than I in the word uh, tend to believe that it is it resulted from taking see he was anointed by God with the power of God he covered the mercy seat of God which if you can imagine going from covering the mercy seat to being as hateful as he is uh, iniquity is a pretty bad thing and but what they believe is that somehow he manufactured iniquity by turning the anointing of God within because the anointing is the power of God to help it is a service uh, property so if if I'm anointed by God to preach my preaching is primarily to serve humanity so when you take something that was meant meant to radiate outward and reflect it inward you twist it and pervert it into a different type of substance or it has different properties and it comes out goofy so that's why when they talk about Satan they call him things like wicked well wicked really is from the word wicker which means to twist you've all seen wicker furniture it's reeds that are twisted together so it's not on the surface looking as bad as it is but you get involved in it and it's pretty rough because it's perverted and twisted from its original intent and original purpose when Satan was able to deceive the woman into uh, uh, taking fruit from the tree and, and you know the man and the woman were under a vow to cling to one another of course Adam was going to eat the fruit now my suggestion was they should went out for dinner. Why is he so cheap? He ain't taking his wife <laughs> to dinner. <laughs> but anyway, that's another story. Uh, if they'd gone to dinner that night, he'd pull out the plastic, that we wouldn't all be in this condition. But anywho, that's another story. But uh, 
you know, it, because they were vowed to stay together, everything they everything one did, the other one did. So they both went into uh, the death that God had pronounced on them. He said, "If you eat of this tree, you will surely die." And so the devil told them they wouldn't surely die if they ate it. They would be like God. You know, it's amazing how iniquity, little bits at a time, will infect us and cause us to do things that we wouldn't normally do. It's so important the kind of company you keep, who you're around, all that kind of stuff. That's why God uh, ordains churches so that Christians can fellowship one with another and grow uh, through that type of relationship. So what happened was when they, they both partook of the fruit they found that iniquity was now within them instead of God's goodness and his glory being within them iniquity was in them and iniquity causes you to see things uh, in a different way than God would have you see them and so they were always naked in the garden but they weren't ashamed now they were ashamed of their nakedness so iniquity brings with it number one shame Number two, it brings fear because they hid from God and they made uh, leaves of figs to cover their nakedness. So when you have that, you have a tendency, if you hide from God, that leaves you pretty much fatherless. And that's why the orphan spirit comes in when we're born you are fatherless if you're outside of the covenant of God and so God offers us redemption that is a purchase price to bring us back to him back to his presence and back to relationship with him this relationship then uh, obligates God to mature us because if you first day that you're saved or first day you're born again you're like a little baby you don't know anything about anything and so God's plan of redemption includes maturing us in Romans 12 2 it tells us not to be conformed to this world this world is full of iniquity even the good parts of the world are are tainted with iniquity that's why you're you're in the world but not of it you know we're just little aliens residing here but heaven is really your home if you belong to God you don't belong to this place uh, you know I always tell people as if you're a Christian consider yourself on loan to the earth because heaven is really your home so get comfortable here you know don't kick and scratch and fight for everything that's of this world you got bitter, bigger fish to fry you got greater things to do because God has placed us here to be representatives of his love also Ephesians 4.13 tells us if you want to turn there it tells us that there is a process here that God is, is doing in us Ephesians 4.11 starts that, that God, Jesus gave gifts unto men. And those gifts are what we commonly refer to as the fivefold ministry gifts. The apostle, the prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher in, in descending order of foundation builders, 
versus a maintenance ministry. A pastor and a teacher are maintenance ministry. That's after you're saved. They come in to help you to maintain your life in Christ and to teach you and bring you into maturity. But all five are needed for the maturity of the saints. And so it is to bring us into a mature, verse 13, until we reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So there's more to come. There's more to grow. Uh, the minute you think you're bored and nothing's going on in your life and you know there's nothing interesting in serving God anymore, all of a sudden God will begin to stretch you and bring you to a place of greater maturity so how is the love of God matured in us how do we come into mature love so we talked yesterday about God bringing us the spirit of adoption instead of being an orphan now we are adopted by God the definition I found in, in two different dictionaries of orphan was it's a child whose parents are dead so really you come into this world without a knowledge of belonging to anybody. And so the, the role of your natural parents are to provide you a semblance of security until your real family shows up. That's why I tell people, don't get bent out of shape about not having ten hugs a day or how many does. What does the bumper sticker say? You got to... In order to thrive, you need 15 hugs a day. Well, I'm many hugs short. You got me? But I'm content in God. So you can be a lot of hugs short. You can be a lot of, uh, uh, um, you know, grooming short or privilege or, or uh, opportunities short. But you can be secure in the love of God. If, he, if you belong to Christ and he's adopted you. The Holy Spirit reassures you and that is the spirit of adoption where we can call God our Father. Many times when Jesus uh, preached to the disciples he would talk about him coming from the Father and him going to the Father. Why? To give people a sense that they belong to somebody. That you don't have to see an orphan feels that they have to fend for themselves. They don't have a place. They don't have an identity. So being an orphan strips all of that from you. You don't really know who you are. You, you know, there. I've heard people uh, like kids in foster care, maybe who didn't know their parents at all, would say things like, "Every time I would see somebody that kind of looked my, like me, I wondered if they were really." Isn't that a horrible way to feel? You know, you're just looking at, at faces, trying to find out who you are. And that's the way humanity is. We are images. We're not the real thing. We are made in the image of God. And so if you are an image, you're always looking for the original so you can get an idea of where you're going. You see. And so that's why it's so easy to feel lost. That's why people get so caught up on each other. Because man is made in God's image, it's easy for us to attach ourselves to one another to find significance. Because we need something to reflect off of. So that's why you'll find kids, like for instance, you'll you, parents who have Christian kids will say, well, we didn't raise him to act like this. He was raised in a Christian home. and Yeah, but he's looking for somebody to identify with. And those thug kids out there will tell him anything. 
you know go home and get your mama's money go home and we love you brother you one of us and see that connection we have to one another is because we're looking for god and because man is made in his image we found something close enough and we attach ourselves to that and so when we you know like these people get upset i'm obsessed with oh i'm just so obsessed with him Oh, I just, I'm just obsessed. You know, we get obsessed with with each other real quick. And then somebody else cuter comes along. We're obsessed with them the next week. <laughs> we, we're a hot mess. But God. Amen. But God. So God comes to free us from being orphans and being needy and gravitating. I don't care how cool you are. And how cool you look. You know you're going to always fall for something. You know because there's going to be something there that satisfies you and floats that little insecure boat that you're in. And so we we know that when we come to God we have found the right thing. There should be a contentment in us when we are born again and we know we belong to God. You finally found the right thing. You find the one that you're, you're, um, you feel a kinship with. Even though many times in our relationships with God, we can put distance between ourselves and God, going our own way. But then we always manage to gravitate back. I don't care who it is, how far they stray from God. There is a place where that connection will always be made. And they come back to that, to come back to God. So just always believe that you know if you've got kids who used to serve God and aren't really serving it there's something in them that he can switch on you got me (laughs) and they'll go to blubbering and crying I don't care when it is and how long it takes but he knows how to take care of his own so we're fighting an orphan spirit but we don't have to fight it anymore because God then begins to infuse us with his love God is love and John, First uh, John four, and that was our scripture. Still is our scripture. First John four, and verse, well, I think it's verse eighteen. Yeah, we know that anyone born of God does not continue to sin. The one who is born of God keeps them safe, and the evil one cannot harm them. That's not four, is it? That's five. Okay. All right. We'll start in verse 16. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. So that's how you know God's in you. You know, you just, <laughs> you want to be mad at people. I've had that happen to me. I said, you just wait till I see them. He's wait. He's wait. Oh, load up both barrels. And then your heart just goes, you know, you can't get it together to retaliate or do anything like that. It says anyone who is, uh, God is love, whoever lives in love, lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world we are like Jesus. And there is no fear in love. That perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. So when you are born of the blood of Jesus, your sins are paid for and punishment is off the table. You got me? That's not on the that's not part of the deal anymore. Why? Jesus took our punishment for our sin. So that's been satisfied. So you don't get punished twice. 
And so it says the one who fears though is not made perfect or mature in love. So we're talking about the process uh, that God puts us through to mature his love in us. He's always working on this. Always. We talked about being uh, challenged to love versus fear or to love versus uh, wanting to have things our own way or to do things our own way or go our own way or take matters into our own hands. So in, in that God says that we, he wants us to uh, be in this for maturity because his job is to bring us into the fullness of maturity, the full stature of Christ, which means the full measure of Christ, which means to be more like Christ every day. This is an ongoing process within us to help us to gain maturity. Why? Because his, that's his promise to us. Why does he want us mature? Well, when you're mature, you think about it. When you were a child, you were uh, you you needed more guidance. You needed more correction. You needed more assurance. There's so many things about being a child that limit God's ability to get us to conform to his plan for us so there is a plan for us as as uh, immature children of God then there is a plan for us going forward as we mature you'll hear sometimes people say things well I kept asking God for so and so and then when I finally got it I realized I wasn't ready for it back then you know if you're honest with yourself you'll, you'll say things that or you could have been ready for it it just wasn't the timing in the overall program that God has for your life and so God then will put us on a a quest for maturity that's part of the process is the maturing process so and one of the things that God has to deal within us is that orphan spirit and especially the spirit of fear that tends to hover over us and and try to to hinder our relationship with God when you're an orphan you might feel that it's you against the world you have to fight for everything nobody loves or understands you you have to look out for yourself and iniquity causes that selfishness comes from fear amen fear of lack you're just afraid you don't have enough you'll never have enough so you have to take care of you and this thing creeps up on us continually it's never dead it's it's like you know you'll be doing something and have total peace about what you're doing and all of a sudden a thought will come to you well what if amen that's fear what if what what's going to happen if so and so and such and such happens amen and so uh fear fear creates a soul uh that is insecure uh it's damaged sometimes by past experiences we need to be healed we need love and we need to understand that god will get us through these situations but we have to trust him to go through it so really in order to experience the mature love of god we have to trust him to get us through these things that if we don't do anything he will be there to help us and sometimes it's a minute by minute fight for impulse control you got me i mean it is what it is it's different for all of us but sometimes the threat can be so great that we'll have to you know just 
keep bringing ourselves back to the word bringing ourselves that's the best thing to do is stay in the word of God when you're challenged by anything uh, in life uh, because that that is where God matures us and meditating on his word and understanding he has an answer for us understanding there is a godly solution there's a good solution here once you start trusting God and you don't lift a hand to do anything in the natural to manipulate the situation you just go for it if God doesn't move you to do anything don't do it then you have the discipline of Christ See, Jesus, even when he was facing the cross on on the night he was arrested in the garden, Peter got up and cut some guy's ear off, you know, and thought he was, <laughs> Jesus was going to take over the, you know, Jesus was going to fight the Romans and take over and I'm going to be on the right hand. He's just all in his head. And so he picks up a sword and, and whacks this guy's ear off and he's thinking he's going to fight to the death. They ain't taking Jesus nowhere. You know, this is the guy that's going to do everything for me. Self-promoters, you got me? See, you can do the right thing with the wrong spirit or do something thinking you're doing the right thing and you're selfish. Your, your motives are selfish on the inside. And Jesus knew they felt like that and he knew what their, their answer would be and that would be the Holy Spirit. You can't do anything right for God without the Spirit dwelling in you. And so before that, but Peter thought that, that he would would kill these guys and they wouldn't kill Jesus and you know, we can go on like we've been going on. And Jesus told them, He said, You know what, if if I wanted to, I can get ten legions of angels to come down here and rescue me. I don't need you know, but he said, I got something else to do. So Jesus did not defend himself. He didn't take the quick, fast way out of anything. Many times he would preach, and after he preached, they'd try to throw him off a cliff. But he would pass through the midst of them, they said, like disguised. They didn't even know that was him anymore. So he had many, many ways of taking the spiritual way out instead of the natural way out. And that's what God's looking for us as mature Christians. We take the spiritual way out and not the natural way out. We could all do a lot of things if we got in there and started maneuvering on our own. Then what happens many times we do that for a while and see it ain't working. Then we call God. Huh? And, and, uh, but he still requires that we get ourselves under control and not try and do things our own way. In fact, the Bible, there's iniquity again popping up, showing you, you think you're the only one who cares about you and you have to do it. If I don't do it, who's going to do it? You know, people say that a lot. Well, God's going to do it. But we're learning how to trust him. We're all in the learning process. If we continue in fear, then we refuse the love of God. You won't grow in his love by operating, being motivated by fear. If we if we refuse the love of God, then that makes us unwilling and unable to give the love of God, which is what God wants. He wants people mature enough to go out and talk to a stranger and tell them about Christ without being afraid that they're going to reject you, spit in your face, whatever. 
he wants us to be able to go in a workplace knowing that everybody sitting there hates Christians because they you know how the devil plans these conversations right when you come up everybody's talking about something stupid they saw on television or you know that kind of thing their main objective is to irritate you so God is looking for somebody who is going to go into that atmosphere remain a Christian don't get involved in their nonsense and operate in in a dignity and a, a representation of Christ and I'm not talking about being religious or you know some saints are going there and slap the Bible on the desk and let it fall up in front of everybody they ain't looking for that he's looking for you to have him on the inside uh, ready to help people even people who have maligned you and people just don't like you and sit up and and talk about you to your face he wants you to look beyond that be able to forgive and let his love grow in you his love grows in us through testing amen so he wants us to to be stable and to grow and to prosper in his love amen it has nothing to do with how big a house you have or how many material possessions you have you need to be rich in the love of Christ and so as we mature we're able to get through these challenging situations without taking our own way out in Luke chapter 4 you see Jesus's uh, um, uh, challenges uh, to uh, re- remaining in the love of God and enduring the things he had to do when uh, he went up to the mountain to fast the devil came and tempted him with three different things and that was to instead of going the root of God and the root of love to get your kingdom go the shortcut go my way and Jesus refused every single time he tempted him he said throw yourself off this building and you know if you're the son of God do this and if you're the son of God do that and if you're the son of God do that Jesus refused every single time and those shortcuts would have gotten him earthly things but they would not have gotten him what God wanted him to have the Bible says that he showed his love to the father through what he endured amen and so enduring for the sake of God caused us to operate in mature love it was necessary for Jesus to go through everything he went through in his preaching his teaching all of the betrayal he went through in order for him to be strong enough in God's love to endure the cross so there's more endurance as we grow in God there's more challenges that come life doesn't get quote-unquote easier the longer you love God and the longer you walk with God if you allow him to mature you I was thinking back and you know when I was a fairly new Christian I would would find things in the Bible and I saw what God wanted me to do and and I would begin to do those things and they were usually correcting uh, something that I I didn't like doing or I preferred doing something else or uh, anything like that you know uh, it, it was a challenge to me to do them God's way and when I say do them God's way I mean do them with excellence do them faithfully uh, not doing them when you felt like it not feelings get to be non-existent after with mature people 
You got me? Think about your parents when you were growing up. Seldom, I mean, if you have mature parents. Now, some people just aren't. <laughs> they not go grow up. But if you have the kind of parents that are that are, are handling their responsibility, generally they don't complain. They don't whine. They just get up and do what they do. You'll see this in fathers a lot. You know, mothers, you know, men or women are made different. But women have endurance in them for certain things as well. Uh, women can put up with, with <laughs> rebellious kids longer than men can generally men will say no you ain't staying here like that get him out of here you know what i'm saying they put a limit on everything (laughs) but men are very faithful they'll get up and go to a boring job you don't even know they hate their job sometimes because they won't say that they just accept responsibility and keep going and so that's maturity in god we accept responsibility and keep going you don't I mean why complain and so that's what god wants us all to grow into but i remember thinking to myself it seemed to be such a change from the way i did things I doubted that I could do it forever. And every time I would start to make a change and do something, I would wonder how long. You know, that's it's like a, a bad diet. You know, you get all this, you get all this wacky food that comes in the freezer, and you pack it up in there, and you look at it and say, "Hmm, I'd be glad when this is gone, because when I get me, I can have that chocolate cake." <laughs> it's like that. And I remember thinking, how long, how long, how long? And then God would tell me, forever. I said, really? And it was accepting the change would have to be forever that began to mature me and help me to quit complaining, quit whining, quit thinking how bad it was. Quit thinking, you know, people do that with healing too. You know, if you find yourself ministering, healing the people, and you know that they need to listen to that word continually, you know, we all have done it. We give them the CD. We give them the recording. We say, listen to this until you're healed. And most people will say, how long? Why? Because it's a change for them. If they were diligent listening to the word for healing, they wouldn't be sick. You got me? And so whenever it's a change, immaturity will look at time. When you quit looking at time, you're almost there. You got me? When you quit looking at time, you're almost there. So don't expect God to make changes and tell you you can go back to being slothful. You can go back to being uh, half-hearted about things. You See, that's what we're wanting. We're wanting us back again. A little orphan thing. He's always feeling sorry for himself in there. God, you know, I could... If I didn't have to tithe, I've heard people say that. If I didn't have to tithe, I could have a lot of money. (laughs) What's the purpose of the tithe then if you want that money back? You see what I'm saying? You're never going to have to not complete a vow that you've made to God. What are you doing it for? So let that stuff go and let God have it. And God then matures us in his love. We exchange our selfishness for his love. We exchange our bad habits for his love. We can we exchange our, our lack for his love. And his love makes us rich on the inside. It makes us happy on the inside. It gives us great contentment on the inside. 
So there is a conflict in us that keeps us immature. And that is how long. Many times people will will look and see maturity has been a long process in them. Because there are many promises of God that won't come to us for many, many years. And those are out there to keep us uh, working for God, to keep us comfortable in serving God. But the how long issue has to be dealt with. Mature love must take over. And you look at your relationship with God is more important than what he gives you. That's got to be the biggie. The Bible says he's given us these great and precious promises that by them we can receive the divine nature. So really the promise is just a hook. You know, God knows he's going to give you what you want. He, that's not a problem for him. The problem is he needs sons and daughters to conform to the image of his son. He's got to have mature sons and daughters here. If you think about natural maturity, if you're if you're immature, uh, you say like an adolescent or a teenager can't really reproduce. You mean that you know biologically you might be able to, but you know physically you're not capable of parenting. You're not capable of doing all and providing for the young and so forth and so on. It's the same thing with God. He wants us able to reproduce and produce souls for him after his own kind. That's a big project of God. Uh, and I see so much of, of Christian teaching devoted to things. Not enough to winning souls. That's always a problem. If if you talk to an evangelist, you know, and their their love is soul winning because that's what they're gifted and called to do. It's not so much because that's what they believe in because they're gifted to do it, but they have a heart for lost people and they see the lost, but they know they can't go out and minister to all of them. It's going to take believers to get out there and win the lost. And that's always a, a complaint or a fault that they find with what we're taught in churches. We're not taught to evangelize and, and share, share Christ. Uh, we're not equipped to do it. Many times people, if people were equipped or felt equipped, they'd go out and do stuff. You got me? Uh, if you got a tool bag and you carry it everywhere with you, one day you're going to take them out and wonder, what do these tools do? You know, and it's still the same thing with spiritual equipment. You'll start to use your spiritual equipment because we do have a desire to win the loss when you're maturing God. When you're maturing God, you'll endure certain things in order to win the lost. You'll see people who will go to remote areas of the world and not care uh, if it's a four-star hotel or if it's a hotel. You got me? They'll sleep on the dirt floor and they, they have to do that in many parts of the world. To go there and share the gospel or build a small church for village people or something like that. You can't do that if you're wondering about you know whether there's room service or not or you know if the the bed's comfortable or not or you know whatever you, you'll never be able to be used like that uh, you know I, I see that many times we'll have ministers that I invite for our conferences if they're focused on the surroundings I don't invite them back I don't need trouble you understand me those people are trouble 
because they're always going to want something else. <laughs> you know, <laughs> they're there for they're, and they're there to serve. You know, when not when they take the invitation, they're called to preach and to serve. They're not called for us to serve them, so to speak. I mean, we'll make everybody comfortable. Don't get me wrong. You know, we do. But it sometimes it goes beyond that, and and I don't need you know. I don't encourage that kind of nonsense. It's foolishness to me. You'll see people, uh, ministers, when they get a big name, they'll start demanding certain amounts of money from churches to come. And one, I think I shared this, one ministry, a, a very good youth ministry that taught youth evangelism, went bankrupt trying to provide the finances for a minister that they called in to preach for them. After that, their coffers were dry. And this person's a multimillionaire, but they still demand a certain. It's not God. God ain't in that. It's an abomination to the Lord. So, not mature in love is what they are. Because if you're concerned about, say for instance, you're a prominent minister and you feel like you're entitled to certainty. That's the big problem. Many times is this entitlement factor. Got me. You're not entitled. You're entitled to hell without Jesus. You got me. So let's get this straight right off the bat, and they pray for your blessings if God blesses you. Uh, I know when we first had our first conference, God had us had our meetings at Cobo Hall, and Christians who were here said we've never had a Christian there. I said really. I was new to the city. I know nothing about this stuff. I was just obeying God, and I thought to myself, I said, well, God, we're not special. This is the first thing that's got to come to your head. Don't ever think you're special because God has you somewhere. Because you have to be willing to be up and down like Paul said. Content wherever you is. If I abound I'm happy. If I have lack I'm happy. If I don't have much I'm happy. You've got to let stuff not change you because of what you know you you find yourself involved in. And it's a test. There's a test for the preacher. See, if I had been stuck on Cobo Hall and we stayed at the Westin and uh, I remember that time, George McGovern, remember him? Uh, he came and knocked on our door. We had the presidential suite. <laughs> he said, I think this is my room. I said, really? I said, don't I know you? He said, yeah, I'm Senator George McGovern. I said, well, glory. I said, you want us to pray for you? You know, I didn't know what to say, so whatever. He declined, of course. We prayed for him anyway. But, uh, you know, it, it was things like that. Now, if I had let that be my standard, I got to have, uh, wherever I go, I got to <laughs> I knew I was there just by the mercy of God, you know. And it was a test. He'll Sometimes he'll start you out with the best of the best of the best. But if that's not provided every single time, you have to live in the level he wants you to live in. See, I would have drove y'all crazy and me too, trying to press for enough money to keep that going all the time when the grace of God was not there to have us do that. And so we have to learn that God is teaching us to mature in his love. Don't let things move you. Don't let yourself be moved by your physical surroundings, either one way or the other. And so God wants us to relate to him as maturing saints as maturing children 
Amen. So when when God wants to mature us, we'll find ourselves sometimes in situations where we'll have to make choices. Do we go our own way or do we trust God to get us through these things? Live in the way he has us live for the season he has us live that way. And then look for God's deliverance or his promise to come. Oftentimes the process excuse me, works like this. We have a need. And we ask God alone to fill it. And his love then begins to mature us. Now what does love have to do with getting your needs met? Well love will have to take you through the waiting process. Or through the healing process. Whatever God is doing for you in that situation. The only thing that will steady you and keep you from complaining. From giving up. From quitting. From going your own way is the love of God. And God will make sure that he He creates situations that will uh, impact where he can impact you with his love so that you can make it through these things. I was, uh, uh, I was thinking about my early days with God and, and how God healed me uh, of a nervous breakdown that I had before I even knew the Lord. I really uh, got, got saved during that time. And so God would teach me how to be a good wife to my husband, which I didn't want to do because I felt he had caused me problems. No, I mean, you know, you don't want to be wonderful when you're mad at somebody. (laughs) You know, you just want to be mad. And so uh, the way I got healed, though, was through serving my husband. So it's like, I don't know. The hair of the dog kind of thing. You know whatever it is you're afraid of. God overdoses you with that. And the only way you can do it. Is you got to find some love from somewhere you you know. Then you realize that what you were giving this person was not love at all. I grow up. I don't care if y'all say yeah or not. I don't care. But you know what I'm saying. You think you love. You're doing the best you can. That's always our excuse. I'm doing the best I can. Well, I ain't good enough. That's what God says. And he says, I've got something better for you. And so God began to work his love in me by working resentment out of me. And you can't sit and confess this. I believe I'm free of resentment in Jesus' name. Well, if that's true, you're going to prove it. Huh? Because God really put me to the test. And if if I had a, a good day with my husband, I had to serve him. If I had a bad day, I had to serve him. It was tough. But I realized what God was doing. He was maturing me in his love. Amen. So when I refused the love of God, I found I had more resentment. You can refuse it. You can say, I don't care what you say, God. You know, this this person isn't right. I don't have to do this. I don't have to, have to, have to. You got me? Because we feel in our in our um, iniquity and in our fear, we feel that if we give to somebody who's not giving back to us, that we're going to run out. And you will out of your junk but you find that as you give and give in the love of God you find there's more in you 
So what you were giving to that person was really a form of service, a form of, um, I guess, you can say half-hearted service, emotional service, uh, all of that, and, and it's just not going to keep, and that won't keep a marriage together. I got news for you. The only thing that's going to keep it together is the love of God, and you've got to exchange what you've been doing for the real thing. And that's what God invites us to do. He invites us to lay down what we have been operating in and pick up the real love of God. And so I felt that God was helping me, but I still had like resentment there, you know. And and you know how sometimes you'll be extra nice to somebody because you're in the mood to be extra nice to them, and then you get back into your selfish thing when you're not in the mood. Well, God had to deliver me from that. He had to show me that a Christian wife was a Christian wife all the time, 24/7. You couldn't you couldn't go into moods and come out of moods, and so. Um, he connected me with a Christian fellowship and that's where I really began to get an understanding of you know what was proper what was not what was from the heart what was not see it was fine for a minute when I was you know housebound and and not able to get out but then after a while God began to heal, heal me and free me up and so I got matured at a certain level in my relationship with just me and God but he had a greater level for me to go to because I was called to the ministry you can't serve God's people if you're resentful if you're sensitive if you're emotional if you you know if you're looking at what they do for you and all of these you aren't called to serve me I'm called to serve you you got me and and so when we understand our role and understand what God's doing then we can relax and and get it and I can remember when I started uh, going to the women's fellowship I would say certain things and I could see it irritated some of the women and they said oh Bart you can't no 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 you gotta love and I thought I was See, we think we're doing good we think we're doing I'm doing the best I can you will know my circumstance that old rascal you will know what he done to me you understand the orphan keeps popping up let that orphan thing run your life don't let the devil put a limit on what you'll do when God tells you to do something you can't call the shots anymore you've got to mature you've got to understand that God takes care of you people don't take care of you God takes care of you and so he, he will do that so I, re, I remember understanding a higher level of love it wasn't that I wasn't loving my husband I wasn't letting God change my heart and help me but it was at a certain level and God wanted me to go higher so this is God's program it's not mine so I can't tell God you know don't give me nothing else hard to do I just won't do it I'm a full fit you know get this done tonight I you know all that tantrum stuff uh, that's just the beginning of the pain you're going to feel <laughs> from not being able to do what you want amen so you gotta use you gotta get used to some discomfort too when you serve god it's not self-imposed but it's something that's necessary listen if you went to a surgeon to get some some infection out of you they'd have to cut you 
they'll numb you so you'll stay on that table long enough for them to cut you but when they sew you back up you kind of on your own you know except for a little bit but you're going to have some discomfort i don't care where you go it's just in the world and so i realized that in relating to other believers i began to get a different level of maturity i was exposed to what christian maturity really looked like in some of the people that i met there I realized that you didn't get come to you didn't come to Bible study to complain about your life. You came there to hear the word and pray for things to improve according to the word of God. You got me? I realized there was no scripture that said your husband had to do everything you told him to do. I've looked in all sixty six books for thirty five years and I ain't found it yet nor have I found where it says a wife has to do everything a husband tells her to do whatever we do we are to do as unto the Lord you're pleasing God in your behavior that's always a higher standard amen sometimes you know humans can be satisfied with very little but God holds you to a higher standard so as you interact with other believers you'll receive correction you'll receive insight you'll receive discipline discipline will cause you to obey God in season and out of season these are things that we are to provide to one another as the body of Christ we can do it through word deed and example so you'll see other people and you'll see sometimes an older couple that has a very very uh, mature marriage you know and sometimes you'll see some that have rotten ones but you keep your eyes on the mature people and and you'll get hope and you'll also know the love of God because in all things I could say God put me in the company of people who really really loved me in those early days they loved helping me they loved encouraging me they loved correcting me and saying oh no you can't do that that's not pleasing to God that won't work that won't work you understand what I'm saying so our fellowship with believers provides all of these things that is so essential to your growth as a Christian and that's why many times you'll see people who kind of church hop and all that kind of stuff they don't grow very mature uh, because they can't withstand the discipline they think church is for them instead of for God it's for you but not you exclusively you know you you don't go in and demand that everybody treat you a certain way because you just showed up you got me (laughs) that's the height of the orphan mentality so I realized that I had had some growing to do and I had some some maturing to do and so uh, I was able to overcome mistakes that I had made in my marriage just by not knowing God not knowing you don't beat yourself up about your mistakes okay confess your sins get that right with God learn how to get it settled and don't let your mind beat you up about the wrong that you do and don't you be the one who's always pointing out people's faults either amen that thing will come back to haunt you and so we have to live in a grace in God that covers other people's sins and covers their faults and allows us to love them in spite of and you expect that same thing coming back to you Uh, because if you're hard on people you're going to be self-condemning and if you condemn yourself then you're not going to be as quick to repent and to want to change 
See, condemnation makes you feel that there's no hope for people. And people who tend to watch other people's behavior are are not healthy in their own minds as far as love is concerned. Because you're watching for a reason. You're watching to either criticize, condemn, or, you know, that kind of thing. Judgmental. You know, we're not to judge unless we be judged too. So you get that judgment back again if you're quick to judge people. And it stunts your own growth. You'll find that your own flaws begin to stick out real big to you once you start magnifying. You you know, you got to live clean in this life. You can't be sloppy and, you know, all this kind of stuff. Everybody needs a bad guy in their life. Amen. Uh, Make sure you don't try and create them. Just just let yourself walk in love and let yourself be free of uh, carnality, condemnation. So uh, many times when we are are maturing in God, we have a fear of being rejected and forsaken. That orphan mentality tends to flare up. And it makes us reluctant to lay that down and serve. And so if you think about the Christian life being a life of service, um, you have to understand that the servant is hired by somebody. And you're not hired by people, you're hired by God. So a mature, a person who's matured in the love of God looks to God for their encouragement. Uh, you look to God for your, uh, your source, your motivation. He becomes your everything. And people be, become secondary. Not that they're not important because we are commanded to love one another. But their reaction to you, their response to you, their uh, words about you become totally secondary. Uh, because you don't let them penetrate because the love of God won't allow the words of others to harm you. Got me? Uh, and that's something when you, it, it, but in any level, uh, you have to get accustomed to allowing God to be your judge and not letting the words of man either discourage you or flatter you. You have to, mature people aren't moved either way. Uh, that's where people sometimes say, oh, you don't have no feelings about it. No, I'm not emotional about it. You know, I have feelings. I love you. That's it. <laughs> You're not going to get no, uh, all this, you know, feeling sorry for you and whining and carrying on, you know, it, it, beyond where God takes you. But many times people do things to get a response out of you. Because they're always trying to test you to see what you what's poking you to see what's in there, you know. And so you have to understand that you are accountable to God for your actions and your behavior. The same thing is is uh, many times we're that little orphan thing is always looking for people to affirm us and tell us we did a good job, you know, because we think we're doing so much. And that's the one time when you won't get it. God won't let it happen. You got me. When you start craving stuff, trust me, you ain't getting it. Not from God. You belong to God. He's not going to let anybody take his place. If you need encouragement, you go to God for your encouragement. You don't need 15 people to tell you your dress looks nice. 
you know, you look good because you lost a few pounds. I wish. You <laughs> please, please, please. No, but you know what I'm saying. Or, or you know, you, you, you do so things, you, everything you do well, you do well. And all. you don't need that from people. As long as that's your motivation, you won't get it. Because what you get from man is short-lived and it's not satisfying. Your greatest satisfaction will come from the reassurance you get on the inside from God that you did your job well. And then with that, God leaves us to be hungry on the inside many times because we can always improve. So God does not want you to be a a flattery freak or a reassurance dependent person. He wants you to be self-governing to a degree because you've got God on the inside of you. Man, what more do you want? You don't need man telling you how wonderful you are. But you need to have a reassurance from God that you have pleased the Father. So when you have peace with God, you know that you please the Father. And that's what we live for. You live for the peace with God because that's going to take you miles peace with God will give you assurance when trouble comes you know you have no fear because yeah, I got peace with God you know there's nothing that I'm lacking in doing for him or I don't have any short accounts or you know long accounts things I owe or anything like that I'm in good standing with God and when you're in good standing with God that's really all that matters man I think there was a time where my husband was satisfied with our marriage, but God wasn't. Got me? So, Baba, I had to do more. You got me? I had to dig a little deeper and, uh, you know, all that kind of stuff. And and not be judgmental toward him because he wasn't serving the Lord. That was a biggie. Because when you're, you're a minister and all that, you know, the anointing makes you feel like you can conquer the world. <laughs> you know, then it wears off and you're like over there cleaning the corners trying to get the, you know, built up wax out of the corners in the room or something, you know, or scrubbing the toilet. Or, you know, you know what I'm, you do in life. And so, uh, and it was hard for me at times to be patient with God where his salvation was concerned and so I found myself having to go to God again for a deeper something a deeper something I remember one time telling the Lord um, well he doesn't pray you know and he don't pray if he don't start praying I'm booking I'm just going someplace else yeah, I wouldn't. I didn't have any place I felt like going, but it wasn't satisfying to me. And the Lord told me, He said, "Why don't you start by asking Him to pray over your food when you sit down to eat?" Oh, really? <laughs> I didn't expect an answer. You know, I just wanted to complain. And so that was the beginning of our prayer life. And over the years, we were prayer partners. We prayed about many difficulties that we faced in the ministry and family and all. But it started there. God always has a place for love to start. So if you love somebody, you'll obey God toward that person and you won't remain critical. You hear me? You will not remain critical 
You'll get an answer from God and start where you are. Many times a place where we start does not look like anything like what we want or where we expect to finish. But your start is a seed. Everything starts small. It starts with a seed. And so we have to recognize that about God. See, if you humble yourself to God, you don't care what he tells you to do. You're just glad to be obedient. I'm telling you, if you keep looking at how long you prolong the maturity process, you keep looking at your efforts, you prolong your maturing process. So many times there are things that we do that we want to quit doing that God told us to do. But it will prolong your maturing process. You won't get to the next square. You won't get beyond that. until. And many people just peter out. They can't take it any longer. You got me? They just don't want to do it anymore. They don't see where it's getting them anywhere. They don't see where it's helping them. And they just think it's not again. Because they're looking in the natural. They're not looking on the inside. What you need to ask yourself is do I have peace with God? Do I know that God is with me? If you don't know anything else, you need to know that he is with you. If he's with you, that's all that matters. It doesn't matter what your husband's doing, your wife is doing, your kids doing, and what the saints in the church is doing, what the church ain't doing. Then none of that matters. What you're really looking for, the mature believer, is after peace with God and that's all that really matters and and then you have the peace of God and that's the peace that passes all understanding that helps you to to stay peaceful even in difficult situations so uh, selfishness is really what we fight in trying to obey God and fear is the father of selfishness fear keeps us orphans Instead of receiving adoption and the love of God. So when we receive the spirit of adoption. It's through the comfort of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit reassures you that you're okay. You haven't lost your salvation. You haven't done too much where God won't forgive you and still love you. He gives you that reassurance that you're still in a family. You're connected to the Father and the Son. Because he always points to the Father and the Son. We know family life because of God. Uh, And that's something that everybody longs for. Everybody longs to be a part of something. The farther you go away from God's ordained place for you to be, the harder it is to maintain the family relationship. Uh, for instance, people now who are just living together and stuff, it's hard to maintain that. There's no trust there. There's no bond there. There's no covenant. There's no vow. There's no nothing. So they live from day to day not knowing if they're going to be together. It, it goes good for a minute, but because there's no God-ordained vow holding it together, it's, there, it's very insecure and shaky. People who belong to gangs, that's probably one of the hardest family relationships there is to maintain because it's built on iniquity, lies, distrust, always it's performance uh, ordained. You've got to do certain things to get approval. 
but people crave it anyway they're so desperate for a family they uh, they crave it anyway see all of these crime ridden and, and illegal entities that that have the family resemblance to them what they're doing is drawing people because of the orphan thing that lives in all of us and rejection the devil sets kids up for that kind of stuff They'll find other kids that have the same story. You know, I'm rejected too, and you know, but it doesn't have to be that way. You know, God can can really minister uh, to people who are are orphans. I remember it brought to mind a testimony I saw of a young man. I think it was the 700 Club because I remember it being on television. And this young man had grown up in an orphanage. He didn't know father or mother ever. And uh, he said, though, when he was, all the years he was there, he said, I always knew one day I would be adopted. And he said, every year children left and got parents and he was still there. And he got to be about 16 years old and he was still there. And finally somebody came and adopted him. And it was amazing because this couple was an interracial couple. I remember that much. And uh, the the wife was Caucasian. The, the dad was black. This kid looked like both of them. It's just amazing. And you know, God, well, he does something for a person through his love. It had to be the love of God that sustained that kid throughout those years and kept him hopeful about an adoption. It didn't turn him bitter and didn't turn him angry. That's the love of God sustaining him because he felt he had a promise on the inside of him maybe he knew it was God maybe he didn't but that promise kept him going how many of us get promised things from God and we want to quit after a year because we think God ain't coming through for us and here's a kid that has no evidence that anything good is ever going to happen to him but yet he's and the the joy on his face it was unmistakable that this was the answer to a prayer and he was there and, and the parents said they said you know we had thought we got married later in life and we we kept thinking maybe we should adopt and then they said oh, we don't want little kids we're middle aged and so forth and so on they said let's get a teenager somebody that we can take the games relate to is almost grown we can provide college for him a better life blah 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 and we got the opportunity to adopt this child the difference that it made in him i mean he was encouraged all through his days as an orphan but when he got the promise it was like you know he could relax he could now he belongs somewhere everything like came in the fullness for him because of this adoption and that's really what God wants for us he wants that and more he wants us to know that we are important to somebody because we were chosen and we belong and that was one thing this kid said he said they chose me they picked me he said I know they're my parents because they picked me you got me and so that that can mean something very very special and I think it should mean something special to us we did not choose choose God he chose us and and for 
somebody who went all those years without parents he wasn't a problem to, they said he it was a joy every day to have him as a son they'd been he'd been adopted maybe a couple years he was about to go to college but they said he had been a joy of their lives every single day and so this is what god has for us that that we have a father and he loves us and the way he proves it is by placing his love on the inside of us and causing it to grow how does it grow it grows through challenging us to love more to love him more to give more over to him to give more to people in our surroundings the people that he's put in our lives for us to love mature love always accepts God's terms and conditions it won't fight his terms the waiting period always matures us giving matures us anybody can serve God for a few minutes and get everything that they want brother Summerall used to say uh, he would have meetings he was funny he would have uh, meetings he said uh, on Sunday they always had two services on Sunday uh, to get the crowd to increase on Sunday night he would announce on Sunday morning if you come to the night service I'm going to tell you the date and the hour when Jesus is returning and the place would be packed out he said I'm not telling you anything because I don't know he said that just goes to show you if you found out most of y'all would quit serving him tonight (laughs) and get it in gear when he's on the way back but that doesn't mature us maturity comes when we don't know the time and the hour we don't know when that's that's when God proves us amen so the Holy Spirit is called to comfort and sustain us through times when we are uncertain amen when times when things are uncertain I remember as a younger Christian it seemed there were times when prayers would get answered so quickly well God will do that when you're young in him it's like your your children if they're if they're on the bottle they holler all the time when they want something and you know you don't want to hear them holler so you go and grab get that babe that bottle and say, oh lord ah, hey, it's cold what do i do you know he's still hollering you got to be on the ready <laughs> stay on the ready unless you want to hear that noise and so many times parents are conditioned to their children's noise <laughs> to provide them with things you don't want to live that way in god God will not be he don't care how long you scream how much you threaten him you gonna quit preaching you gonna quit praying you gonna quit this whole mess uh he doesn't care he he's immune to that he's not moved by it and so when you when you start maturing in God you find that he starts helping you in a different way it's called self-control it's called temperance where you don't feel so anxious about everything like you'll go out and get any substitute if you don't get what God has for you you know in his mercy he'll cause the substitute to leave you rather than let you get stuck with it say it again man God's mercy so a lot of times people I see young people they want to get married right away and they've find some somebody is not saved you know it's a very poor prospect you know thank god god removes those people from your life because you could get stuck with them 
Got me? So it's his mercy that lets you not have what you crave. It's his love that lets you not have what you crave. Because when he gives you what he's ordained for you, you find it's nothing like anything you got entangled with when you were craving. You know, he's just the right fit. It's the right person or right whatever it is. Same thing with your jobs. Same things with your careers. He will get something that fits and that's right for you and that will be an improvement of your life. Maturity seeks the comfort and counsel of God. Not people, not things, not foolishness. A mature person would... uh, uh, really seeks more of a relationship with God than the accumulation of wealth or accumulation of friends invitations to go out you know designer this or you know ready made that when we include God into our failed plans and disappointments we show maturity amen so when you do wrong or you mess up the sooner you go to God, the more mature you are. Be quick to repent and change gears and expect God to come in and help you and say, God, I want to do it right this time. I don't want to, you know, take the shortcut or take the short way out. When we open ourselves up to counsel, to his counsel, we open ourselves up to his love. And then fear leaves us and it's replaced with confidence. Soon as the plan of God comes into vision in your life, fear leaves and you pick up confidence in your pl- in that plan. Now it might be shaky for a while. Your mind may say, "Well, what if this doesn't work? And what if it just don't look like?" But that that confidence will come back again if you allow it to. And that's how we learn to grow, and we conform to the image of God, and we grow in the love of God, which matures us. Then we have love to give others because God's love is always more than enough. You know, it's not like, oh God, I need more love from you. And uh -uh. when it comes in for real, it's more than enough. And then you have more to share with others. People who are generous with their time or with their uh, finances, resources and, and energy and so forth are matured enough in God's love that they have enough to share. People who aren't mature always have something to do. You know, something more important to do. Uh, well, I can't stay because I have, I have an appointment. To see, they're not mature. It's, you know, God's on the back burner somewhere. It's like, you know, we have people come to our prayer meetings on Saturday for the first time. They come, they think it's an hour. And I'm thinking, my, you can't even get worshiped in it I can get can't get the world off of you long enough and and you know but but they want to go to heaven well in heaven worship is 24 7 where are you gonna go is it God can I go down to hell for a little while I'm tired of worship you, you understand what I'm saying that that's about what it amounts to to me I know I know I'm real rigid about stuff like that but you know come on y'all where else you gotta go what what is what oh yeah you gotta go to the mall they closed up all the malls now. You understand? <laughs> you got to go online. I got to go online and order something or go shop or whatever. But but people always want to seem important by limiting themselves in certain ways. See what I'm saying? It's it's. Hmm.
I'm I'm real important. Oh, well, I can't stay. I'm I'm booked. You know, you ain't booked nowhere. But you know, when you need to be healed, you can't be overbooked. You you got to lay with that until God does the work on you. Amen. So, God, <clears throat> we can withstand all of the difficulties of life because of the love of God. And and Satan is always trying to separate us from God's love. You know, he knows how to do it too. People get too disappointed with something. Uh, they go through a difficult time. Uh, it's easy for them to say, you know, God doesn't care about me or, you know, the big why. Why is this happening to me? Well, why not you? You're no better than your neighbor. You're no better than anybody else. These things happen to everybody. It's happening to you because it's promised in the Bible. Amen? It is. Jesus said you're going to have tribulation. And the only place you won't have tribulation is in heaven. So you're not there yet. We have all kinds of fears. Fears of giving too much. Fears of serving too much. Fears of what if. <laughs> I give my husband the biscuits he wants on a regular basis. What are you going to eat? He ain't going to treat me right on. <laughs> We're talking about biscuits. Compared to eternity. You see what I'm saying? You see how foolish it is to fight God's plan? He has a plan for us to conform to the image of Jesus. That's all that's important, folks. Your stuff is not important. Your your promise that you're waiting on is not important. The big factor is that you conform to the image of his son. Why? Because you'll have to live in that state eternally. You got me? God is preparing you for eternity from day one that you're saved. He's not preparing you to live in this world and show people how much faith you have by how many things you have in your garage. He's not doing that. He's causing or how many books you sell or how big your audience is on the TV. It has nothing to do with anything. But it does. he does want you to be more like his son. The more you're like his son, the more you look like him. The more you're satisfied. Amen. And the more he's satisfied with with you. So we'll stop. Father we thank you for the opportunity to hear your word. And to know your love. We're on a mission here Lord. To conform to the image of your son Jesus Christ. And we thank you Lord. That that mission is being accomplished. Through the work of the Holy Spirit. We're giving understanding of these things. We're getting that. And we thank you so much for that, Father. In Jesus' name, amen and praise God. If